the internets, all of them, are basically having a mini meltdown as we speak at the prospect of rusty BYD Atto 3 electric cars. What gives? I'm John Cadogan from AutoExpert.com.au and I get new cars! Not just cheap. Frickin' cheap. In the circumstances. But Australia only. Website. Card. You know the drill. Now, roughly a billion people emailed me about this over the weekend, meaning eight or nine, maybe twelve, something like that, including Spuddy and Vic P and the rest of you, you know who you are. There seems to have been two incidents recently. An dude in Sheep Shagistan who managed to integrate his BYD Atto 3 with a wire rope barrier and uh, counterproductively removed one of the rear doors in the process, exposing the gremlin O-Rust. And another dude, Juan Perez, if memory serves, who appears to be wrecking a months old BYD Atto 3, and he has exposed the same rusty defect in subframe members, specifically where different brackets attach. So let us deep dive into Chinese cars and rust and what we really need to know to understand whether or not buying an Atto 3 is a good idea or not so much. This report is sponsored by NordVPN. I'm no IT expert, but I've seen enough, especially lately, about data breaches, scams and hacks to know that being online is inherently risky and potentially very costly. You don't have to be tech savvy to use NordVPN. It's a simple one-stop cyber security solution. One click and you are protected from hackers, malware and pop-ups across as many as six devices. Go to nordvpn.com AEJC now and you'll get three to 12 months extra time on any two-year subscription as part of Nord's 11th birthday celebration plus one more bonus month just for using the nordvpn.com slash AEJC link in the description. NordVPN is the world's fastest VPN and it only costs about as much as a cup of coffee every month to keep your data, your identity and your devices secure. NordVPN can also save you money because you can assign your virtual location to another country where, for example, flights and accommodation might be cheaper than they are back home. Same goes for streaming services. You can also access live sporting events and other content that may not be available where you actually live. That's a pretty small price to pay for cybersecurity, not to mention the potential savings also on the table. Go to nordvpn.com AEJC now to get a huge discount off your plan plus a free 11th birthday gift and all that additional free subscription time. Totally risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com AEJC, link in the description, and thanks to Nord for sponsoring this episode. Stephen Hawking, of course, audaciously wrote that book, A Brief History of Time, bit of a brain bender. I intend to give you right now a brief history of why cars don't rust anymore, because 
I fell in love with cars in like the 70s, the early 70s, all right? And basically cars rusted away before your very eyes and getting a car ready for its annual rego inspection here in New South Shitsville was one of those real plastic filler and hope for the best spray pack sort of retouch exercises. And that's just disappeared now, right? Because that doesn't happen anymore. And what essentially happened was the Japanese pioneered galvanizing of the sheet metal used in manufacturing of cars. And in doing so, they properly pulled the pants down on American car makers and the Americans found themselves there with their pants down around their ankles and everyone giggling at their rusty, ungalvanized vegetables, which is a very unpleasant experience, I'm told. So the Americans lifted their game and they started galvanizing as well. And cars tended to be pretty uniformly galvanized in our market and in Europe and America, Japan, places like that from about the mid-1980s, not the mid-1880s, we're still sailing square riggers around the place discovering the world when we're too busy to galvanise cars, and hey, there weren't any. So the first form of galvanising was electroplating, and electroplating is that goldy sort of coloured galvanising that you might see on bolts, for example, from time to time. So that tended to be expensive and consumed a shit ton of electricity, which is why they moved by the mid-1990s pretty much to hot-dipped galvanising, okay? And pretty much all cars have been hot-dipped galvanised for some time now, which is why they just don't rust away anymore. And the mechanisms of uh, galvanisation, the protective mechanisms are as follows. It's kind of like paint in that it encapsulates the steel and deprives it of access to oxygen in the air, which is what you need if you want rust. And when the galvanising starts out nice and shiny, you know, when you buy a shiny new box trailer and 10 years later it's sort of that dull grey colour, well, that dull grey colour is a layer of zinc oxide, which tends to be impermeable to atmospheric oxygen as well. And the third mechanism of protection is cathodic protection because the zinc is a more electrochemically active metal than the steel and it sacrifices itself to protect the steel. You need a particular amount of zinc on steel to protect it. It's 70 grams per square metre per side. And obviously sheet metal has two sides. So you need about 140 grams of zinc for every square metre of steel if you want to protect it. And the beauty of the galvanisation process, the cathodic protection part of it, which is like layer three of the protection, is that you can galvanise some steel and then you can scratch it or drill a hole in it or whatever. You can subject it to some defect that is localised but you won't get the cancer of rust spreading all the way through because of this electrochemical protection, which is the so-called cathodic protection, the zinc becomes a sacrificial anode, which is distributed uniformly around the steel. So according to a dude named Dr. Kenneth D'Souza, who must hold his business card this way because he's got such a big title, he's the technical expert in galvanizing and repaint at the International Zinc Association of Canada, he was recently quoted on the 16th of January 2023 in a report uh, published in the Times of India where he essentially said that 
Indians are off the pace with their automotive manufacturing because they only galvanise cars that are slated for export. Domestic cars in India, many of them at least, are ungalvanised. And I did a little bit more research into this and I came up with uh, an industry organisation in India, which is Hindustan Zinc. And they say, this is in 2018, they say there's almost no galvanised steel on Chinese-made vehicles except for exports from China by Volkswagen, General Motors and others. And I don't know who the and others are. I haven't got to the bottom of that yet. Uh, they go on and say that's 20 million cars in China not using galvanised steel. India is a huge and growing market for passenger vehicles, but galvanised steel is not used in auto manufacturing. So it seems to me that there is, in India and China, a two-tiered system where domestic cars are ungalvanised and in India cars slated for export are galvanised and some cars slated for export from China to places like Australia, Europe, America. They're mostly galvanised, mainly galvanised, possibly galvanised. Like, how can we generalise more than that? I can't find a current list of vehicles which are galvanised. Now, I'll show you the kinds of defects I mean that have been discussed recently online, okay? They're fairly small, rusty defects, and they're all underneath things like the attachment points where bolts go through the subframe to hold other components on, such as a door hinge or other brackets for cross members and things of that nature. Most of the steel, and these cars are quite new, so you wouldn't expect any rust to be developing under the paint just yet. They've only been in service for a matter of months, right? So what does that rust under those brackets actually mean? When you see orange rust, and some of these uh, photos reveal a little layer of like a halo of orange rust outside the main sort of dark brown rusty defect, if you like, the orange rust is new. And here's a pro tip, okay? If you're getting on uh, a cable car, or you're lifting something up with a crane or any sort of machine where something heavy goes over somebody's head and failure is really not an option, then I'd be just looking at the main drive mechanism a little bit like brackets that hold things to big steel beams overhead and things of that nature. And I'd be looking for orange rust because orange rust is a huge warning sign. It means new rust. Any of that brown stuff, like the dark brown rust that's been there for donkey's years, that's not the harbinger of something new. New rust means something's moved. It's started to spall or rub the steel and expose some fresh steel and we've got some fresh corrosion. So that warrants investigation. That's a really good inspection tip if you're looking at things like trailers or any of that stuff where failure's not an option overhead, right? Orange rust is bad news. But in this case, I can't tell whether the orange rust is just a defect as a result of removing the brackets and a bit of flash rusting that's happened as a consequence of that. The statements about orange rust that I just made, they're just for general interest. Everybody should know that because if you're going to place yourself at risk by having something heavy held up above your head or step underneath something or step onto a cable car, back out <laughs> if there's a bunch of orange rust in some critical component because bad news potentially. Okay, so what do we infer from all of this stuff about the rust? Well, Chinese manufactured vehicles have started to gather a bad reputation in Australia for rust. 
and this took place uh, a couple of years ago now, maybe 18 months, two years. It was There was a pandemic and it's all a blur, okay? But the dude's name, you can Google this, is Timothy Rigby. And while his sister was, you know, busy picking up the rice in the church, Timothy spent a great deal of his time picking up the pieces when his LDV T60 started rusting to pieces around him. Now, he's a surfer dude and he works at a surf club, so he parks at the surf club, which knocked me down with a freaking feather, is by the beach. And LDV, like, <coughs> they said, oh, the rust is a consequence of where you use the vehicle. This is in spite of... I don't know, 90% of the Australian population living within urination distance of the coast kind of thing. So there's that. And Timothy actually bought his vehicle from Von Bibra on the Gold Coast, which might as well be on the beach. It's From memory, it's between a saltwater canal and a beach. So, you know, pot calling kettle black, I'd suggest. Anyway, the judge saw some reason. He saw logic, whatever. And... Basically, Timothy got a full refund and the vehicle was declared by the court to be of questionable poor quality kind of thing. You can read the whole judgment. It's pretty interesting. It shows me how LDV goes on in Australia behind the scenes once you're a customer. So I'd be a little twitchy about owning one of them. And obviously, they're one of the bigger manufacturers in China and one of the biggest importers into Australia. Although, you know, MG and LDV are both made by the Shanghai Automotive Investment Corporation, but MG is a standalone company import operation in Australia, whereas LDV is independently imported by Atika. So their philosophy of dealing with customers on a brand level is completely different. MG tends to be okay, at least I don't get a lot of complaints about MG, but LDV and Atiko generally not so good at customer support, at least in my experience. So the questions I've got about this rustiness of BYD Atto 3s is, look, if it's just a little bit of local rust underneath these brackets and the vehicles are galvanised, that rust is trivial, insignificant, unlikely to spread etc subject to the galvanization being adequate see if you've got your 70 grams per side per square meter of zinc then the steel is going to be durable and it will tolerate small areas where there is some defect in the galvanization and these defects in the galvanization may occur because the brackets go on and then the assembly gets dipped Okay, so the tightly bolted portions might not allow molten zinc to flow into them, which is not a huge structural rusting problem because of the cathodic protection. There won't be very much rust because there can't be very much rust until the zinc is exhausted in, you know, two or three decades or something, in, in which time the car is going to be scrapped anyway, so, you know, we'd all be moved on. The thing I would really want to know is, are those cars galvanised? Are they adequately galvanised? Like, is there enough zinc in the galvanisation process? And I'd suggest that there's really no easy way to find this out. And one of the problems here is that there's no regulation for galvanising. Like, you don't have to galvanise a car to sell it in Australia. You just don't. So it's perfectly legal to sell one. The only regulation is that products that you buy have to be free of defects and durable. 
right? That's uh, provision in Australian consumer law. It's called the Acceptable Quality Consumer Guarantee. And if the vehicle proves not to be reasonably durable, in other words, to meet the durability expectations of a reasonable consumer as determined by the court, then you would have a leg to stand on there. But I'd suggest that just looking at a couple of holes on uh, around a couple of brackets, around a hinge, whatever, that's not sufficient to wave the biggest red flag and call in the troops. But further investigation would be warranted. And if I were, you know, LDV or if I was BYD, because it's such an emerging brand in Australia, I'd be getting out in front of this and I'd be saying that our cars are galvanised, they're shit hot, blah, 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 words to that effect. I'd be reassuring people about the quality of these vehicles because I understand that this is a serious question in the minds of, in particular, people who are considering buying an Atto 3 right now. Because when you buy a vehicle from any emerging manufacturer that doesn't have an onshore track record, you are a lab rat. You're rolling the dice and running a mad experiment and the experiment is, was this a good idea? You're testing that hypothesis, right? So. That'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And the other point I'd make about galvanisation and why it's so important in the 21st century is because the other big change in automotive manufacturing has been to the steel itself. See, we don't use basic, shitty, structural grade 250 MPA mild steel in cars very much anymore. We use this stuff that's called hard coil or ultra high strength steel. In some cases for structural reinforcement points they use what's called gigapascal steel which is a thousand megapascals or roughly quattro times stronger than low carbon steel which your car would have been made of in the 70s essentially the plasticine of steel now the thing about these high strength steels is that you can make the car stronger but the other big advantage of using them is that you can also achieve the same strength with thinner material and thinner material opens the door to the grim reaper of rust even more because there's not as much steel to eat by oxidization before that strength just goes away. And this is why it's so important to protect ultra high strength steel and gigapascal steel because you just haven't got that much of it to eat away anymore. All of those panels are thinner and thinner and thinner and if rust starts it's going to take a lot less time to completely destroy the panel. So I'd suggest that BYD needs to just issue a public statement about the quality of its cars. Is it galvanised? Are they confident that uh, these are localised defects? And I suspect these rusted areas that people are obsessing about on Reddit and Facebook, etc., are really just areas where the hot dip galvanising doesn't get to because those parts are assembled prior to dipping. And therefore, the rusting that people are noticing, looks to me to be pretty inconsequential, subject to all of those other things being in place. Adequate galvanisation. Like, they've got to be galvanised and there has to be enough zinc in the galvanising. See, it's okay to use a minimum of 70 grams per square metre per face of the steel, so 140 grams per square metre for both sides. You can use more than that if you want, that's great, but less is going to be a corrosion problem as well. So perhaps somebody doing some of this 
uh, wrecking of these cars could actually just do a little bit of testing. They could do a little bit of metallurgical testing and just have a look at the quality and amount of the galvanizing.